Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Eric. Uh, It's great to see you all. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to do that at some point. Uh, But I am a pastor in training here um, at City Church. So if you are just joining us, uh, we are a few weeks into a series that we are calling Church Matters. Um, and, And basically, we're just taking some time to try to think critically about and, and try to explain uh, more detail about some of the things that we as followers of Jesus do when we gather together. <clears throat> and so this morning, I have the privilege uh, to talk all about singing. Um, and rest assured, at no point will I be breaking into song and dance uh, in full Disney fashion to get my point across. So depending on who you are, uh, you are welcome. Or I am very sorry to disappoint. Um, I will not be subjecting you to that, though. Uh, But music and songs in general are everywhere. They are everywhere. But why? Why do people sing? Right? Why not just think about things? Why not just say everything? Why not just write everything down? In in case you need some convincing, uh, let me try to point out a few things. Uh, All throughout history... All of human history, every culture, every context, humanity relies heavily on music. Just in general, it is a method of bringing people together. It is a way of keeping track of significant historical and cultural events. And more often than not, culture as a whole is largely defined by and expressed through music. Right? So if I say the 60s. Just right off the bat, you may think of some historical things that happened, but also some of you are probably like, oh, yeah, the Beatles, the Supremes, the Doors, Marvin Gaye, yeah, 60s. Or if I say the 70s, immediately some people are like, disco, prog rock, yeah, that's absolutely what I think of. The 80s, maybe you think hair metal, for sure, hip-hop, new wave. I could keep going, but... Usually, when, I, when you say something that has any kind of cultural significance, a lot of us will think of something that has musical cultural significance as well. So music can have an effect on us that other forms of communication just do not have. Right? Instead of trying to explain this further, I'm going to try to uh, illustrate it for you by paraphrasing some incredibly popular songs, uh, but with no music and no artistic flair. Okay? Let me see how this goes. So, um, hey, I was just curious uh, if you wanted to hash out all that stuff uh, from before. It's been a while. I'm still a mess. Are you inspired? <laughs> no? How about now? Hello. Ah. It's me. <laughs> I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to be to go over Everything. Okay, so that, that, one's, that one's pretty straightforward. Um, how about this one? I'm going to do a few more. This is, I love doing this. Um, uh, so wherever 
you happen to be, uh, I am going to love you forever, right? Even if you're not even relatively close by, and despite the fact that I will never see you again. How's that? Yeah? Okay, how about now? Okay, so it works, right? It like makes something else happen in you, but just saying the words doesn't. All right, one more, because this is fun. Uh, all right, freeze. Hear me out. Uh, we should work together. Yeah, it's good. Okay, how about now? Yeah. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Yeah, there you go. So it's way better, right? So I could just stand up here, and I could just recite things to you in whatever poorly paraphrased version I want, and it's not going to have the same effect, right? There are some things that music can do in us that just plain old prose and words just can't do. So as a general idea, I, I don't think I need to do much to show you that music and singing is significant in some way, right? So what I want to do today is I really want to dive into the significance as it relates to God's people, singing specifically as God's people. Now, you may be thinking that I am biased on this subject as a worship leader, and you would absolutely be correct, um, but I am not more biased than Scripture. Uh, so that's what we're going to look at today. So let's go ahead and hop in. We're going to be jumping around to a few different passages today, so we're going to put most of them on the screen so you don't have to keep up. But what I want to do today is break up the topic of singing in church specifically into three categories. So I want to talk about why we sing, what we sing, and how we sing. And I think it's really important to dive into all of these different categories. So the first is relatively simple at first glance, but we really need to think critically about why we sing. Why? So like I said, singing is a natural human response to life. We sing all the time, right? We sing to celebrate together. We sing to mourn. We sing chants with other people with similar interests to rally together, right? We, when we eat something delicious, sometimes we sing like a weird little song, right? You eat something, you're like, mm-mm, you know? It's like, I can't just, I can't say it any other way, <laughs> right? When you feel awkward sometimes or uncomfortable, we sing like a disconcerted jingle of like, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how to express this other than with this little tune, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I do that all the time. So <laughs> I don't know if that just means I feel awkward all the time or I like to sing. I don't know. Some combination. But we, we sing to, to help make sense of things that are happening around us. Right? We sing to articulate our thoughts and our feelings that we just can't get out any other way. Right? Why do you think we have so many musicals other than they're super entertaining? Why are they so entertaining, though? It's because music does something special, right? Singing is probably the most common and most natural method of expression that we have as humans. But why do we specifically, as God's people, do this, other than it just being a natural response? Why do we sing as a form of worship to God? Well, for starters, the easy answer is it's commanded in Scripture, so that one's easy. 
I'm just going to rattle off a few. So Psalm 33.3 says, praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Psalm 96.2 says, sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Psalm 9.11, sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. Psalm 95.1, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 149.1, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. I'll spare you the other 400 or so times. It is one of the most frequent directives in the entire Bible. The Bible could have just as easily commanded us to write, right? God could have created us as creatures who can only speak. But if music is a primary means of expression, then it naturally follows that we would sing about the things that matter to us, right? And, And more than anything... Singing allows us to pour out expressions of joy that, that other forms of communication just can't. Right? Matt Papa is a worship leader, and he, he put this really beautifully. He says, singing expresses our deep, most deep-seated joys the way that crying does our sadness. When we are overwhelmed with joy, we sing. This is why God commands it. There is something so delightful, so ineffable about God's numberless attributes that it is not enough to simply verbally acknowledge them or write about them. We must sing. We must burst forth in adoration. Man, when we attempt to express the magnitude of who God is and his glory, plain, simple words are not enough. Right, an understanding of who God is necessitates a powerful response. So does God, the, the almighty creator of the universe and all his splendor, need reminding of who he is? Or does he need reminding of what he's capable of? Does he wake up on Mondays and just think, oh, what's the point? Right? Of course not. God does not need reminding of who he is. But we do. Right? We need reminding of who God is. And when we are reminded of that, and when we're filled with an understanding of God's glory and his love and his grace, joyful songs overflow from our hearts. And when we can't remember those truths, or when those realities, or when the realities of brokenness and life are all around us, sometimes we do need to be reminded through songs. Right? We've said it before about other spiritual habits, but it works, it works two ways, right? You can participate in this action, singing in this case, as an expression of what we are believing. Or sometimes we can participate in that action as a disciplined practice to remind us of what is true, to help us believe. So we need to remind ourselves. Excuse me, we need to remind ourselves and we need to remind each other of truth about God. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. And so there may be some of you in the room, I'm sure there are some of you in the room, because in the years that I've attended churches, I have thought this. Uh, But you may be thinking, yeah, amen, let's wrap this up, let's get to singing. Like, let's bring back the songs. And I get that, like I love that. I feel that way, not here, I feel that way all the time, elsewhere. Uh, but we, we comment all the time here about the voices in this room, 
right? I love that we love singing. In fact, we have had multiple guest teachers over the years. Uh, If you've been around for a while, you've seen some of them. And without fail, after they visit, they have all told us that our church sings louder than almost any other church that they've been to. That is so cool. I was so excited to be able to teach this specifically so that I could just shower you all with encouragement and praise and affirmation for that. That is awesome that we do that. For a lot of people, singing comes really naturally in some capacity. We enjoy it. It makes sense to us. Some of us were raised with music in all sorts of different contexts, and singing in a church setting just kind of makes sense. It makes logical sense to you. It just feels right. And I love that. That's awesome. Uh, but for other people, singing in a church setting sometimes feels a little uncomfortable and a little unnatural. And I find it, I find it interesting, honestly. Like, I, I've, heard, I've heard many people say things in a church context like, yeah, I just don't enjoy singing. I'm just not a musical person. I can't really sing. Um, so three days ago, it was Thursday, uh, and just across the river, Roughly, I looked it up, roughly 92,000 people stood together in Neyland Stadium and at a deafening level, boldly sang in unison, Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. And I would be willing to bet at least a few of them just don't enjoy singing. All right? Maybe some of them aren't really musical people, but we sing about what we care about, right? I've heard people say things like, you know, it's just not my style of music. It's not my preference. I like like newer songs. I like older songs. I like hymns. I like Elevation. I like Hillsong. I like Bethel. I like the Gettys. I've heard that before. Um, (laughs) Believe it or not. No, it's it's good. I like Silly Songs with Larry. Great VeggieTales reference. If you didn't get that, um, look it up because it's very enjoyable. And it's not necessarily bad to have musical preferences, especially when it comes to, to worship music. It's not bad to have musical worship preferences. I do. I have them. Absolutely. But it bears saying that at the end of the day, true worship in song is not about our musical preferences. It is not. It is not about what songs we do like or don't like. At the end of the day, worship is about God, right? Entertainment, on the other hand, is all about your preferences. Absolutely. But, but singing in worship, it, it's an artful expression in and of itself, right? Art asks something of us that entertainment just doesn't. Right? Entertainment says, uh, come, observe, consume, take it or leave it. But art says, be filled, be invested, be moved, experience what is happening. Our preference for worship should be for truth about God to be proclaimed. Right? That should be our preference. But even if you truly cannot bring yourself to sing the songs that are being sung. Uh, You are also welcome to sing your own song. That is fine. There is nothing wrong with expressing the depths of what you are feeling in your own words to the Lord. If those words aren't on the screen and you have something to say, that is fine. By all means, sing your song. 
with us. Some people, some people may say, you know, I'm just not, I'm not emotional enough for worship music. I'm not emotional enough for singing. Well, I also think that some of those very same people have it, at least a few emotions bubble up if they get cut off in traffic, right? We have no problem expressing those emotions. And I've been around enough people to know that, that when they express those, they do not put any, like, they don't hold anything back. They feel it deeply and they let it be heard. I say they. I, I do this from time to time. <laughs> so I have a friend who does that from time to time. Maybe they don't do it with songs, uh, or at least none that bear repeating today. Uh, but that's a huge part of why we sing praise to the Lord. Right? We, we make this deliberate choice to participate in singing to God with other followers of Jesus, regardless of our mood or our preferences. And we get to cultivate this, this intimacy and connection with God. It's, it's beautiful. We get to express outwardly the reality of what God's spirit has done and is doing inwardly. That's awesome. We, we sing to express our love and our joy. We sing to share the realities of what we've experienced through the Holy Spirit. We sing we sing because it delights the heart of God. Like, that's why we sing. But it's also incredibly important for us to think critically about what we are singing. What we sing matters, right? The act of singing out and raising our voices together to God is incredibly important. Absolutely. But the content of our songs matters just as much. Singing to God is not just singing. It's not just singing. Songs of praise are not just random words put to catchy tunes. The songs that we sing here on Sunday are not just songs that I enjoy or songs that I can lead really well. I have made that abundantly clear a few times, <laughs> right? I'm sure there are some of you who have been here and like, oh my gosh, what is happening up there? I don't just lead songs that I happen to be really good at. You don't have to be a well-versed musician to know that, but I appreciate you not pointing it out uh, if that's ever happened. No, there, there is so much intentionality that goes into our song choices here on Sunday. Uh, we have talked many times up here about the structure of our teaching team that we have here at City Church. So we get together with a group uh, every week and we pour over the content of our sermons. We talk through what the scriptures say. We talk through what it might look like to incorporate those ideas into our lives. Where might we be off and need to align more with the scriptures? What, what does the Bible say and what specifically do our people here need to know about that? And that process also directly informs and shapes the way that we choose songs that we sing. Right? When we know that a teaching is going to have a really heavy emphasis on a particular truth about God, or a particular idea, we do our best to have songs that are going to explore that idea further, or, or at least reinforce that idea. Our songs are filled with, or should be filled with, deep, meaningful truths. We want songs that we sing to be informed and shaped by the scriptures. That is what we want to sing. 
Remember, uh, one of the things we just talked about, one of the primary reasons that we sing is to express our joy, our joy in what has been done on our behalf. That's something we want to sing about. We are pouring out praise and recognition to God. We are asking for him to move and work in his power. And we want all of that to be informed by his word in our songs. So when we decide what songs we're going to sing, we have to go back to those truths. Our songs should focus primarily on the reality of what God has done and will do, not what we might accomplish. So when we sing here at City Church about the things that we've done or the things that we do, the hope is that it points us back to the reality of what he's done. Right? We have wandered. He pursues. We will sing about his glory. You are singing over me. Your goodness is running after me. You have been faithful. So we will cry out, hallelujah. Right? We need to know the words that we're singing, too. What do these words even mean? When we cry out, hallelujah, what are we saying? Right? We need to know that that word means a joyous praise of boasting in the Lord. A bold shout of celebration, bragging on God. That's a hallelujah. And plenty of people do this here. It's awesome. There are times when we're singing a song that has a line maybe about the resurrection or forgiveness of sin or, or another powerful reality from the Bible, and people in the room will just shout and cheer. That in and of itself is a hallelujah. That's what we're singing about. We need to know when we say Hosanna, that word in a song, that word used to be a cry for help in the Old Testament, but then became a shout of joy and recognition of Jesus' identity in Matthew. We need to know that when we sing those words. We need to think critically about what we are singing because the style or the tune or the catchiness of a song does not matter if what we are saying is not grounded in truth. And we see this happen in, in, in modern worship songs from time to time. I'm not going to use anything too current or relevant, uh, just in case it's on your Spotify shuffle playlist. But there's an old song. <laughs> there's an old song called Above All. You may have heard it if you've been around church for a long time. Um, there's a line in that song that says, you took the fall and thought of me above all. Did he though? <laughs> right? I'm not saying he wasn't thinking of you. But when Jesus was dying on the cross, facing separation from God the Father and the reality of stepping down from glory, I think he was thinking about that above all, right? In Matthew 27 and Mark 15 and the gospel accounts of this, Jesus cries out saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I feel like it's a stretch to say he thought of me above all in that moment. He's pretty clear about what he's thinking. Right, so we want the songs that we sing to be saturated by Scripture. Our beliefs about God and His Word, our theology, has to be the driving force behind our praises and our songs or our doxology. That's what that's called. Our theology has to inform our doxology. So when our songs are rich in truth, 
They can enrich our worship. Songs can help us understand and feel realities from Scripture in ways that simply stating those facts cannot. So we sing a song called Homecoming here sometimes. Um, That song accomplishes for me uh, this goal like very few songs do. We could stand up here and we could say, Jesus gives us life. I cannot wait till we get to see him one day. That That is true. Yes and amen. That would be wonderfully true. But instead, we get to stand up here and we get to sing, I see bright crimson robes draped over the ashes. Right? A wide open tomb where there should be a casket. How beautiful is that? The children are singing, dancing, and laughing. The Father is welcoming. This is our homecoming. The truth from the Bible is there, but so is the beauty of artistic illustration. And this is also why we incorporate passages of Scripture in our song slides. It's not just a convenient way to fill space, right? It might also be, but it's not, that's not the reason <laughs> that we do it. It just works out that way. We want to have consistent reminders that the words that we are singing are not just empty words that we came up with. They are proclamations of truth from God's word. We We don't sing empty, catchy words just because, just because they're catchy. We don't sing empty phrases like that. Singing is a really, really great opportunity to ask ourselves the question, do I really believe this? Do I believe these words that I am singing? But also, singing is something that we do, like I said, as a way of helping ourselves believe it. Hopefully, we really do believe the words that we're singing. When we cry out those words, Hopefully that is an expression from our heart of the truth that we believe. But in the times that that we don't, in the times that we don't believe that to be true, singing those same words can be a great opportunity to repent of our unbelief and ask the Spirit to help us believe those things more fully. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, he he writes uh, to a church And in this chapter specifically, he's talking about how they engage in worship. He's talking about some of the dangers of what he calls unintelligible words or or saying or singing things that just don't make sense. They may feel good, they may sound good, but they don't make sense. And his encouragement is this. It's really cool. Look at at, uh, chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. It's up on the screen. He says, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer, which is a, it's actually a really interesting translation of a Greek word for someone who is around Christians, but who is not a Christian. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool word. So how is someone who is put in the position of an inquirer Say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying. You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. So he's saying here, it it matters, it matters what we sing, 
Because we should be pointing ourselves, but also others around us, towards truth. Because our singing is one of the primary ways that we put the reality of Jesus' work on display. Singing in itself is not worship. I want to make sure I make that very clear. Singing in itself is not worship. Singing can be a part of our worship. Absolutely. It's another way that we acknowledge who God is and what he has done and what he is doing. Singing can be a a time of reflection on those realities. It can be a time of prayer. Singing can be a prayer. We can ask the Holy Spirit to move in us. We're asking to be filled with a desire for God in our lives. We're, We're singing out prayers over each other. We are meditating on and proclaiming truths about God and growing in our understanding. Singing is, is a form of reflection. It's a form of confession. It's, it's a time for teaching, a time for learning. It's a time for rejoicing and celebration and shouting out in light of God's victorious triumph over death and sin. Right? That is what we are singing. We're pouring out our hearts. And it, it's an amazing opportunity. And in light of that, I want us to talk specifically about how we sing. If that's that's why we're singing and what we're singing, then how do we sing in light of that? So I'm going to do a quick illustration. Uh, Anyone in the room have a younger sibling? Oh, decent amount. Some of you are younger siblings, maybe. All right, picture this. You're nine, okay? You're hanging out with a friend in your room, having a great time. And your younger sibling comes barging in. Despite you telling them repeatedly, under no circumstances were they to enter your room. But lo and behold, here they are. So, logically, they catch some hands, right? (laughs) You smack them, or you shove them, or you throw something at them hard enough to hurt, but soft enough to not leave a mark because you're a forward thinker. And... In classic younger sibling fashion, they go crying to your parents. Mmm, typical, right? And now your parent calls you in the room. You roll your eyes, you go stomping through the house, you're face to face with your sibling, the snitch, and your parent, (laughs) right? And your parent says, tell them you're sorry. Does it matter how you say it? Yeah. (laughs) Right? How you say things matters. A lot. Right? Because how we say things or how we sing things reveals a lot about what we actually think. Right? So if I were to ask a guy in my life group, hey, how's work going? And he's like, oh, it's great. I just learned a whole lot about his job. I learned a lot about what he thinks, uh, and a lot more than the words he just told me. Right? We could have a totally different conversation about how you should say what you mean, but that's a different teaching for a different day. But let's say I ask him, hey, man, how's work going? And he's like, oh, it is great. I'll have some of whatever you're having, 
Yeah. That sounds great. How we say things or how we respond to something in our lives is a picture of what we really think about it. So remember, we just talked about the content of what we are singing matters. We need to understand the words and ideas and concepts that we are singing about. We have to understand what it is. And if we truly believe the words in these songs and the words in Scripture, we should be provoked to respond. If we sing the words, shout it, scream it from the mountains, go and tell it to the masses that he is God, and it comes out as a whisper, what does that communicate about what you think? When we sing, we dance in your freedom, awake and alive, you have done great things. And we look as frozen as statues in a snowstorm, something doesn't add up. There's no dancing happening there. Right? Physical expression in worship is not the mechanism for intimacy with God. It's not. But it is certainly a manifestation of that intimacy. Right? We see examples of this throughout Scripture. We see it all through the Bible. In 2 Samuel, we see King David, one of the most esteemed and powerful rulers of the time, dancing through the streets, half-naked, praising God. And when someone questions his dignity, he responded by saying, I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Just for clarity, there are some parts of the Bible that we don't directly apply. <laughs> so please keep your clothes on. Uh, at least here. <clears throat> so in, in, in Acts chapter 2, uh, we read about some of Jesus' followers after he has ascended into heaven being filled with the Spirit and doing all sorts of things in response to the point where some of the people watching, they said they have got to be drunk, right? They could not think of any other explanation or logical reason for these people to be so intensely expressive. In Exodus 15, Moses' sister-in-law leads a parade of women singing and dancing and playing instruments in praise to God. A parade. So we, we are fully free, fully free to worship through singing in a completely undignified, shameless way as people delighting in God's glory. We have nothing to prove and nothing to earn. So we sing it out to God. Like we've been saying throughout this series, yes, this is for you and God. This is between you two for your relationship. But also, it is not just for you and God. It's for each other too. It is. It's for the person sitting next to you. We get to join together with the people around us to joyously celebrate in unison. And I just want to say, uh, I mentioned this briefly earlier, this is one of the most encouraging things to me about our church. It truly is. There are some weeks where I am up here doing music, and I cannot hear anything over the sound of the voices filling this room. 
I have custom-molded noise-canceling earbuds, specifically so I can't. And there are some weeks I can't hear anything but you. And praise God for that. That is amazing. I've talked with some other worship leaders and worship teams throughout the years, and they all, a consistent question that people ask, not just me, but just in, in general, is what can be done to convince people to be more engaged and to sing more loudly? And I don't know what to tell them, honestly, other than like, you just borrow our church, I guess, um, which doesn't help them, right? But it's, it's because I feel like the Spirit of God is moving here at City Church, and people respond, and that is beautiful. We get to sing, to celebrate together. And I wanna, I'll circle back real quick to, to the First Corinthians passage that I mentioned earlier. We talked about inquirers. Um, all of this stuff is where it stands out to me. This, this how we sing section stands out to me for 1 Corinthians. Um, it is important for us as followers of Jesus to remember, as we allow the things that we believe internally to be expressed externally, we have to remember this, it is just as much for you and worshiping God as it is for people who don't yet follow Jesus or inquirers, as Paul calls them. So if we're all standing in this room, and we're standing straight up, emotionless, looking grumpy, singing about songs that are about Jesus, and about him being the most important thing in the universe, what does that communicate to somebody observing? They're probably going to question whether or not Jesus really is the most important thing in the universe, or at least if he's the most important thing to you. They're going to think he's not nearly as big of a deal as you tried to make him believe. But if they see us worshiping like our lives have been changed, transformed, if they hear us like people here often do, spontaneously burst into applause when we sing about the cross and the resurrection, when they witness that, what then will they conclude? Whatever we're singing about might actually be a really big deal. And even if they don't understand it fully yet, they're going to want to understand a little, at least a little bit more. Paul says at the end of that 1 Corinthians passage that we read, uh, he says that unbelievers and inquirers will, quote, fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What a beautiful picture of how our singing puts the work of God on display. How empowering is that? So we, we sing to put all those things on display. We sing to remind ourselves of those truths, but we also sing over other followers of Jesus, directly over other followers of Jesus. We sing to remind each other of the truths that we sometimes forget, right? Truths that we have a hard time believing. We get to sing songs as prayers over those who need it. Look with me at Colossians 3. We read it at the beginning, but 3, 16 through 17 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, 
songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through what? Songs. Songs from the Spirit. Sing to each other. Look with me at Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 20. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do what? Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this may come as a new idea to some of you, but when we gather to sing, we may be primarily singing to God. But we are not exclusively singing to God. We're not. We are singing to each other. We are singing truth over each other. And, And one of the reasons we get to do this and one of the ways that this is so powerful is is because we allow ourselves to be known by each other. I cannot tell you how many times I have stood on this stage singing a song and looked at someone that I knew was struggling, that I knew was struggling to believe that God was good and God cared about them because of the depths of their suffering in the moment. And I have begged God for that person to be able to believe it When we sang, through the darkness, the roaring lion declared the grave has no hold on me. Right? Jesus, yours is the victory. When we know someone's story, we can sing truth over them. I I know of people who have struggled for years with with infertility and wanting to to have children, and when they found out that the Lord blessed them with a child, I get to stand up here and see life group members surrounding them, crying out in celebration to the God who turns graves into gardens. And it's so powerful. So I want to end here... Because I don't want us to miss how, how we do all of this, how all of this is accomplished. I mentioned, it, I mentioned it briefly before, but both of the passages that we just read from Colossians and Ephesians, they say this really clearly. What gives our songs meaning? What gives our songs power? It says the Spirit, the Spirit of God. We sing... Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand the magnitude of that? Prior to Jesus, in order to encounter God or encounter God's Spirit, you had to go to the temple. That was God's dwelling place among his people. And even then, it was limited because of all the steps that people had to go through to purify themselves to even set foot in that space the space where God's spirit dwelled. People went their whole lives just yearning for that moment. And the New Testament authors make it abundantly clear that the temple has taken a new form. 
Right? Because of Jesus' reconciling work on the cross, we, his followers, God's people, are now the dwelling place of God's spirit. The dwelling place. We are the venue for spirit-filled intimacy with God the Father. It's us. For thousands and thousands of years, God's people long to encounter the spirit at some point in their life. But now, for us, he is here, always. We are not a room of drones heaping empty chants on a distant deity to help his ego. We are not. We are his people. We are filled with his spirit responding to his work as one body. That is what we are. And we sing. We sing because we recognize that when we sing and when we worship, we and others encounter the very presence of God in our worship. Through that worship. We sing with the expectation that God himself comes and resides in and dwells in the praises that we are expressing. That is huge. Psalm, Psalm 22, 3 uh, says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. Enthroned on, seated on, dwelling amongst, fully inhabiting the praises of his people. That's us. That's us. That's our praises. That's our songs. And so when people come and they get to see that, and they see the way that we are responding, and we're saying, Jesus is risen, they're going to at least wonder why all these people actually believe that to be true. Because they sure act like it. So in light of that, how, how do we sing? We sing loudly, we sing boldly, we sing uninhibited and unashamed because our singing has nothing to do with what we have done or accomplished or what we ever will do. It has everything to do with God and what he has done. When we sing, we sing about the reality of our chains and our bondage being broken. The people who have been set free, that is something to celebrate that is something to, to scream about, to tell other people about, to respond to in the way that we are singing these songs because songs are an outpouring, an overflow of the joy in our hearts. That's amazing. Just the fact that that is, the reality is incredible, but just the fact that we are all freely invited to participate in that. It's mind-blowing. Singing is not just singing, right? Singing is, is this opportunity we have to express all of those truths that we talked about. That is why we do what we do. And it's an incredible opportunity for us to respond to God. So I invite you to pray with me.